All right, Alexander, let's talk about what is going on in Ukraine. And um, let's see, how about Biden calling up 3,000 reservists? How about that one? What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, well not <laughs> no. a friendly signal towards the Russians. Uh, um, an action that could be seen as threatening. But of course, it's only 3,000 men and they're only reservists. So it's not going to intimidate the Russians because tripwire is creating a whole wave of speculation as to what this is all about. But there's no real explanation behind it, because if you look at Biden's statement, it, 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 it really doesn't tell us very much or anything, in fact. And uh, one wonders, actually, whether it's even his decision at the end of the day, because, of course, all we have is a... You know, an announcement which refers to the President of the United States, and no doubt it's been signed off by him. But it's not inconceivable, or so it strikes me, that it was a decision taken by someone else. We've had also some very weird press conferences that Biden has undertaken, including with the Finnish president, in which he says that, you know... um, Russia has already strategically lost and it cannot sustain the war indefinitely. Economically, it's impossible for Russia to sustain it indefinitely. And that Putin at some point is going to understand all of this and is going to go for negotiations. I wonder whether he isn't to some extent externalising debates that are going on within Washington, whether in fact... He's responding to points that have been made to him that the United States cannot afford a prolonged war. We've had Rand Corporation reports that say as much that the United States can't sustain this indefinitely. After all, they've run out of ammunition and that it's the United States that should be seeking negotiations, whether he isn't trying to flip the script in some way and that he isn't sending these troops to Europe who are, by the way, notice reservists. They're not full-time troops. Whether he isn't doing all of this, again, in order to silence the speakers, the people who are making these points to him about the United States needing to avoid a prolonged war and to seek some kind of negotiations. Who knows? But it's an odd decision to make. It's not very uh, very well understood, and it's alarmed a lot of people. And, of course... Given that it's Biden and this administration, people should be alarmed by it. This this is boots on the ground, or yeah, at least the is. beginning of boots yes. on the ground. Yes, I mean, yes, it's reservists. It's three thousand. They say they're going to go to the eastern uh, flank yes. of, of of the conflict, and we don't really know exactly what they're going to do. But it is the beginning of U.S. boots on the ground. Yes, and. Uh, this the, the statements from Biden, this move, along with the statements from Biden that he made when he was in Finland, it really does remind me of the the weeks or maybe even months before the Afghanistan collapse. Yes. I, I don't know. Something feels like we're getting to that point where one day Biden's going to come out and say, don't worry, everybody. Ukraine is winning the war. They've got an awesome army. They're crushing the Russians. And then the next day, it's just going to be, you know, like what happened in Afghanistan, it's going to be a just complete collapse. And 
and uh, Zelensky and his team are holding on to the outside of a plane as it takes off or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it really does feel like we're heading towards that moment. Yes, I, I completely agree. I think that's entirely right. If you listen to the, uh, if you listen to the comments, uh, and uh, uh, that is exactly the impression that you might get. It's not quite at the Baroque level that we got in the run-up to the Afghan debacle, but it comes very close. Uh, what do you think is the reason for these reservists in Ukraine? I think, I think What's I, your feeling, your sense? My, my, my own sense is that, as I said, these are different decisions being made by different people. There's some people in Washington very unhappy by the Vilnius summit decisions. Um, they didn't get Ukraine into NATO, but they're trying to sh prove to themselves, and this isn't just Biden, by the way, but a whole group of people, Austin... Lincoln, Newland, all of the rest. So they're, they're moving soldiers closer to the battlefronts because they haven't given up on this adventure and that's really what this is all about. So the idea is um, perhaps we could start to see a revival of the whole idea of a Polish-Lithuanian advance into Western Ukraine with the American troops that we've just been talking about providing what you accurately called as the tripwire. So Putin was speaking to, uh, uh, I believe, maybe to see one. I'm not sure of the, yeah. uh, of the TV of the TV channel, uh, but uh, he he said some interesting things. Uh, 311 tanks destroyed. Uh, the Western tanks burn a lot better than the uh, the Soviet tanks. Yeah. And he said that the Ukraine soldiers they don't even want to get in the Western tanks because they know that the Russians are targeting those uh, those tanks. Putin also said that Russia is not going to stop. They're not going to be defeated. They're not going to stop until they achieve all the goals of the special military operation. Uh, Russia is on the offensive. Yes. If, if there's one country that's on the offensive, it is Russia. Yes. Yes, absolutely correct. I mean, if you look at the situation, at least as of the time of I'm making this program, the Ukrainian offensive is stuck. And it is the Russians who are actually advancing and advancing quite fast now in various places. They're close to Kupiansk. They're getting very close to Liman. There's uh, uh, talk that they're shelling both places and that they might be actually on the brink of recapturing both of these places. Still a lot to go on. But Putin, is this a difference? I mean, you have to try and work out what Biden means because everything is so complicated with Biden. With Putin, it's always clear. So he said all of those things that you said about the state of the war, the fact that you know, Ukraine is losing more equipment, more machines. In fact, there's been a big spike in the losses in machines that Ukraine has uh, suffered over the last day or so. I should say there is some talk today that Ukraine is now going to try again some kind of amphibious assault across the Dnieper. So we'll have to wait and see whether that happens and what it achieves, if it achieves anything. But the other things that Putin said, he, he made three points. He said, first of all, NATO membership for Ukraine is completely unacceptable. I mean, this is seen by Russia as an absolute red line. They're not, going to, they're not going to allow that to happen in any conceivable set of circumstances. He made that absolutely clear. He also took on this issue of security guarantees for Ukraine. 
the NATO summit in Vilnius did not come up with any security guarantees and what's being offered to Ukraine in terms of security guarantees are not really security guarantees actually. They're more they're rather pledges for more aid in future. And Putin made the absolutely correct point that in fact Russia and Ukraine had agreed a whole framework of security guarantees as part of the Istanbul Agreement, which under US and British pressure, Ukraine walked away from in April last year. And then he also made it absolutely clear, at least to me, that Russia is now going to pull out of the grain deal on Tuesday. He says that the grain deal hasn't worked. Uh, they've allowed the grain to leave Odessa, but the West has consistently failed to live up to any one of the um, promises that it made in order to get the grain deal. It's part of the bargain. In order to make the grain deal work, the Russians have been fobbed off continuously with more promises. Just give it a little bit more time. We'll sort all of these problems out. They've agreed to multiple extensions on that basis. Their, their patience is now exhausted. They're going to pull out of the grain deal on Tuesday. If, if in the future the West acts on these promises, reconnects this Russian bank to SWIFT, works out effective payment systems, uh, re removes all the export controls, then, but only then, will the Russians agree to rejoin the grain deal. And I think this is now... I'd be very surprised if the Russians changed their position on this. But then he had the most interesting thing of all to say in some ways. And by the way, this part of what he says is not on the Kremlin website. But he also discussed his meeting with Prigozhin and the Wagner leaders. And he made it very clear that he hadn't really wanted to speak to Prigozhin at all, that he was primarily talking to the Wagner uh, commanders and he said to them, look, you want to continue with the war. We've got to find some way around the legal issue that your private military companies are not um, allowed in Russia. But you can do a deal with the Ministry of Defence. You can continue to function as a unit. You can do so under your original commanders. And then, according to Putin, Prigozhin stepped in, even as the commanders seemed about to agree. And Prigozhin said that wasn't acceptable. So Putin is basically telling us that Prigozhin is the person who is standing in the way of the Wagner organization being reintegrated into the war. And he's trying clearly to separate Prigozhin from the Wagner organization and its commanders. Yeah, well, that opens up a whole lot of, of, of additional questions. I mean, if Putin wants to separate Prigozhin from Wagner, he can separate Prigozhin from yeah, Wagner. Yeah, and he will. And eventually he will I mean, do so. I mean, yeah. be under no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole bunch of investigations they are. Uh, underway uh, towards Prigozhin. I don't, I don't know if they've been, they've been stopped because no. of the deal they worked out with Lukashenko if, or if they're still uh, pending, but... No, if Putin wants wants to do this, he can do this. No, what what happened was, as part of the deal, uh, the um, Russian authorities dropped the case about armed insurrection. But remember, they can revive it at any time.
But Prigozhin is now under heavy investigation on all sorts of other fronts, financial as well. So um, it's primarily financial. So he continues to be under investigation. And, of course, the pressure on him is growing. So the grain deal, uh, Russia pulls out. I mean, you know, they, okay, they want the SWIFT. They want uh, the, the West to open up uh, SWIFT for various banks. They have the problem of the grain corridors being used for smuggling yeah. weapons into Ukraine, yeah. from what I understand, at least. Uh, and, and from what I understand, they also have a problem with Ukraine using the corridor to launch attacks towards Crimea. Correct. So why would Putin re-engage re, uh, re with, this, with this grain deal, knowing all of these things? Well, he's not going to. I mean, that's basically what he said. And by the way, the other thing was, I mean, the Ukraine, it turns out, used the grain deal um, as cover to send troops back onto Snake Island. The Russian Air Force attacked them, and uh, which will make... It's impossible for the Ukrainian troops to remain there. But the fact that the Russian Air Force attacked those Ukrainian troops on Snake Island, to my mind, makes it absolutely clear that as far as the Russians are concerned, this is going to become, as of Tuesday, uh, um, an area uh, where Russian forces are entitled to conduct military operations again. Yeah, well, you know, you get rid of the grain deal and in the future... You open up the, the path for uh, for Odessa and the Black Sea. Exactly. I mean, exactly. They have to get rid of, they have to also remove themselves from the grain deal in order to, yes. to move in that direction. Correct. Correct. And that's probably where we're heading, where we're heading also. But, okay. But, uh, anything else? Well, yeah. well as I said, on, on, the, on the issue of the grain deal, um, Again, Ukraine has abused the grain deal. I mean, remember all those um, attacks that took place on those two Russian ships that were guarding the pipelines. And it seems that those drones, those seaborne drones, used the passages that were created for the grain ships um, to travel by. And this seems an almost compulsive thing for Ukraine. If you give them anything, they, they not only take it, but they just go and take more and more and more. And ultimately, this is counterproductive. It's going to lose Ukraine the option of exporting grain by sea. But they never seem to be able to act in a disciplined way and abide even by an agreement like this which arguably worked in their own interests. And that, I have to suggest, makes any future negotiation between Russia and Ukraine all but impossible because it's become completely obvious. It was obvious with the Minsk agreement, but it's even obvious with this grain deal that Ukraine is not going to honour the terms. Yeah. Well, I also uh, have read that that much of the grain is just being siphoned off by Europe as well, well by the EU. Well, this is... Uh, is that true? Putin complained about it at length. He said that um, only 3.5% of the grain that Ukraine exports ends up in poor countries, Africa and Latin America and Asia and wherever. Most of it ends up in Europe. And 
Um, in fact, it's been used to try to depress um, food prices in Europe. And I'm sure he's right. I mean, I've never seen anybody actually contradict these figures that Putin has been giving, and he's been giving this for months. So, so if Russia pulls out of the grain deal and uh, that grain can no longer be shipped out of uh, the ports, that's going to cause all kinds of trouble for uh, the European Union. Yes. And again, you would have thought that the European Union would be bending over backwards to make sure that this, trade, this grain deal worked. I mean... Telling Zelensky to, to stop. Telling Zelensky yeah. to stop and reconnecting the Russian Agricultural Bank to SWIFT, which is part of the original deal. The reason the Russians want the Russian, the Russian Agricultural Bank to be reconnected to SWIFT is simply for, for one very simple reason, to facilitate payment for Russian grain. So, I mean, the idea was you Russians let the Ukrainian grain ships leave Odessa in return, the European Union will lift all restrictions on exports through the European Union of Russian, um, of Russian grain and Russian fertiliser. They'll, st they'll also ease off on restrictions on insurance and all sorts of things of that kind. And as part of that deal, a, a particular Russian bank would be reconnected to SWIFT so that dollar and euro payments for Russian grain could be paid to this bank through the SWIFT system. Now, the EU appeared to agree to this. It's not a difficult thing to do. And yet, they never did it. They've had a whole year now to do it, and they haven't done it. And again, I, I have to say, I, I don't understand why. I mean, it, it, it shows once more that the Europeans can't be trusted now on any deal that they do with the Russians. Is it a surprise that Putin no longer wants to talk to them, that he no longer apparently picks up the phone when Olaf Scholz wants to call, and that he no longer has any dialogue any longer with Macron? Well, they, they, they don't want to do it because they can't... They can't bring themselves to, to make a deal with Russia. Yeah. That's how much they viscerally hate Putin and the Russians. Yeah. So that's one part of it. But the other part of it is, is the cynical part is maybe they, don't, maybe they do want food prices to go up. Maybe they don't want uh, the, the food ultimately to, to enter the markets. I don't know. Uh, 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 that <laughs> it's it. such a simple thing for them to do. Absolutely. Open up the Swifts. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like that. Absolutely. It, 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 in, I mean, you may very well be right. I actually think there's another, there's another reason, which is I think they thought to themselves that having entered into this grain deal, it would be too embarrassing for the Russians ever to pull out and that Putin would never do it. So they did what they always do. They did the deal with Minsk. They did all of this. They come to this agreement with the Russians and they assume that they can then go back on all of that on all of the things that they were supposed to do because the Russians will be too embarrassed and won't want criticisms from the United Nations or from Africa or wherever if the Russians pull out. And what they're going to discover, I suspect, on Tuesday is that it's otherwise. Yeah. 
We'll see. They thought they could string the Russians along with the grain deal like they strung the Russians along with... Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what they thought. Okay, we'll, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. And uh, we'll probably do a video and talk about it. Absolutely. Right. The Durad.locals.com. Yeah, Durad we are on Rumble Odyssey, BitChute, Rockfin. And go to the Durand shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.